G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 175 of the Outback Mine podcast. Appreciate you joining in once again uh, and thank you very much for all the uh, kind uh, messages and so forth that came in from the podcast I did recently with Ian Callanan from Tasmania. Uh, really, uh, really nice to sort of um, hear uh, some of the stories of um, uh, people watching Ian play down in Tassie and some of the joy that he actually brought to a lot of people's lives down there and also uh, while playing with the Crows too. So um yeah, really pleased to, to have Ian along and, uh, and have a chat about his career and journey and um, just such a great, uh, great footballer he was and, uh, you know, such a great human being. So, um, yeah, if you haven't listened to it, have a listen. Episode 174 now. Today, <coughs> pardon me, I have Ben Beams on with me today. Now, Ben was the captain of the Tasmanian Devils when uh, Ian actually played with them um, uh, back in the early 2000s and so forth. But Prior to that, Ben actually played for the Melbourne Football Club uh, for a few years, uh, originally a northern suburbs boy from Hobart, uh, from the School of Hard Knocks primarily, real salt of the earth type fella that, um, uh, you know, just, oh, I used to love watching him play footy because he just gave 110% all the time and really cared about um, the team that he was captaining, but also his role and responsibility and so forth. It was really evident in the way that he played and very, very passionate and wears his heart in his sleeve and um, sort of since the Devil's Days, he's had a bit of a stint in Victoria playing and sort of back in Tassie uh, ever since. But um, yeah, pure through and through Tasmanian, Ben, and um, you know, loves Tasmanian football. And we're going to talk a bit about that today, what he reckons about Tassie footy, but also a lot about his career and some of the good uh, times that he had uh, with Melbourne and, uh, and also the Devils. If um, Anyone um, is listening that wasn't really aware of the Tasmanian Devils, they're a VFL team that played uh, from Hobart uh, primarily, that uh, played in the Victorian comp, and it was an amazing uh, outfit and an experience uh, just to have like a whole state behind one football team. And Ben was uh, you know, a captain of that side uh, through um, most of their, their good times. So we're gonna, gonna really dive into that today. So I'm sure you're gonna really enjoy this chat, that's for sure. So. Appreciate your feedback too. Um, now, if you want to change something in your life, if you've got something that's blocking you, I really encourage you to check out uh, therealshift.com. They help out the podcast here. They've got a nine-week deep dive program which helps people uh, transition from you know, bad habits into good habits. Um, you know, maybe something that's um, that's blocking you in your life from able, uh, enabling you to reach your potential. Um, their deep dive program is, is awesome. They've got... Uh, some amazing results with people, both men and women, with this one, and um, you know they're they're certainly um, great facilitators, Mick and Amy Stuth. Uh, Stuth. So, nine-week program kicks off next month, and um, if you'd like to check it out, jump on their websites, uh, therealshift.com, and if you go therealshift.com forward slash deep dive, uh, they'll give you a discount if you uh, mention the Outback Mind. Uh, as well and it's a pretty cheap uh, investment in yourself as it is so I really uh, encourage you to uh, to have a look at them and what they can offer you um, great uh, great people and great programs so please check them out uh, also the Outback Minds uh, now become a foundation so if you are with a business uh, and you'd like to partner with us uh, we'd like to talk to businesses that uh, that we can support uh, throughout regional Australia so I'd be really keen to 
have a chat to you and uh, see what we can do together to be able to help men uh, throughout regional areas. So appreciate that. All right, thanks for listening in to Ben and I. Uh, appreciate your feedback. You can go to outbackmind.com.au and just shoot us a message from there. G'day, Ben. G'day, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Oh, mate, real pleasure. Real pleasure. Uh, as I sort of said in the introduction, I um, I loved uh, watching you play footy down there. And, um, yeah, mate, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that, that program as we get along uh, in the podcast here. But, um, yeah, mate, I just really admire the way you, 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 you were as a leader and uh, the way you uh, conducted yourself as a, as a, as a footballer and, um, you know, led those guys was, was amazing, mate. So it's my pleasure to have you on for a chat. Thank you. No worries, mate. So tell us a bit about Ben Beams growing up. Um, I reckon you um, were pretty much in the School of Hard Knocks here around the northern suburbs uh, primarily. And uh, I think, you, did you grow up in Lonnie as well? Like, were you up there for a period of yeah. time? Yep. I uh, I grew up and went to primary school at um, Beaconsfield Primary, believe it or not, um, <laughs> our old mining town. I uh, where the uh, Toddy Russell and Brant Webb got stuck down the mine, and um, I still uh, still have a bit to do with Toddy. He's uh, he's a good supporter of our cricket club and that down here. But uh, yeah, no, I grew up playing. Um, first game of football was at Exeter Oval and with the Beauty Point Tigers. Um, when I was a kid, so the mini league was under 12s, and and you sort of were allowed to start when you're about eight years old. So yeah, that's that's when I started off. Yeah, up on the Tamer River there. Left foot straight away, or yeah, no, I was always the predominant left left footer. Um, to my old man's credit, he he worked and worked on my right foot, but <laughs> as I uh, as I got along and, and further along in my uh, in my football journey, I only ever used the right foot to get out of trouble or <laughs> snap a goal if I had to. So. <laughs> yeah, not much. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's where that's where I I grew up down there with the Beauty Point Mini League to under twelves, and then the Tamer Valley Cats. Um, mm. They were from there to under fifteens, and yeah, lucky enough to move to Hobart when I was sixteen um, when the Tassie Mariners first started. So is that why you moved down when you were a young fella, sort of to be involved with that program? Yeah, yeah. No, I remember um, Gary Davidson and um, and Chris Fagan um, coming to visit mum and dad. Um, we'd actually moved up the Tamer from um, from Beaconsfield area and um, we were living in a place called Lagana just out of Launceston. And, uh, yeah, we'd moved up there because uh, so mum and dad didn't have to drive for 45 minutes to, to all my sport cricket, footy and stuff like that. Um, and ironically, I yeah, I only lived there for a short time and moved to Hobart and boarded with a family in uh, West Moona, which sort of started my relationship off with the northern suburbs of Hobart. That's pretty much where I've stayed, other than a couple of stints on the mainland. Ever since. Unreal, mate. So, um, so you were sort of mucking around in that program for a while uh, in the Mariners, um, did you play local football as well before you got drafted, like for Glenorchy or any club around yeah, there? Yeah, no, I played um, two years with the um, the Tassie Mariners in 95 and 96, and then 97, um, I think there was, a, there was probably about six or seven guys got um, drafted in, in the end of 96, and, and I was a bit disappointed, but I'd always loved and followed Glenorchy even 
the, the family that I lived with was, was a Glenorchy family, the McConnells, um down in, in um, just up the road from KG5. So mm. I hung around the club for those couple of years I was down here and, and was lucky enough to have Paul Hamilton as, as the coach and, mm. yeah, played round, round one in 97 with uh, with the Magpies. So, mm. yeah. Paul Hamilton was the next Collingwood player, wasn't he? He was um, Essendon, Essendon, one of right. Sheedy's, Sheedy's boys, yeah. yeah. Um, and he ended up coaching a premiership two years later in 99. But... I only played the one year at um, Glenorchy and it was, it was a pretty pretty reasonable year But um, and then was lucky enough to get picked up by Melbourne on the rookie list. So, mm, yeah. Amazing, mate. What do you remember about Glenorchy back then? Were they letting you have a beer in the bar um, as an underage fella or uh, was it uh, was it a bit tighter than that back in the day? Yeah, no, we, we, um, we certainly pushed the boundaries. There was obviously a few... Um, I'd had a fair few good mates and... And that around the, the Glenorchy Footy Club and Glenorchy Cricket Club at the time. And, yeah, we did what any 16, 17-year-old boys would do. You get away with what you could. But, yeah, I don't remember in the club rooms as much, but there was always a party or something to go to back in them days. Yeah, oh, for sure, mate. It would have been a different world around the northern suburbs back then, that's for sure. So Yeah, yeah. It was. So what was it like um, like when you got an opportunity? Did you have any other clubs talking to you? Or was Melbourne, like, did that sort of come out of the blue? Yeah, Mel- Melbourne sort of was a bit of a bit of a surprise. Um, it was um, I'd got letters from Geelong and Collingwood and and that. Um, they were, the thing was, I was such a skinny, scrawny kid, like I couldn't put on weight, and and they that that's what they looked at. Um, and then uh, I think it, the story goes, it was Danny Ling um, and Chris Bagan got on pretty well. They were, they were, um, Danny Ling was assistant coach to to Fags at the at the Mariners and and then Fags got a job um, coaching the reserves at, at Melbourne and being a senior assistant so um, that's how that connection I was lucky enough to have him in my corner and yeah got picked up and went to Melbourne for four years so mm, amazing, which was mate. good what was it like to go to a club like that because they were probably the opposite of what Glenorchy was yeah they um, that's it I mean, people say I say the, the the Range Rovers and and that and the, yeah when the snow was up the Melbourne supporters would disappear and stuff like that but they don't anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah. They did they did for a couple of years while I was playing there. We were under Danaher in the first four years he was coach. Um, I got there at the same time he did and and we were uh, up down up down on the ladder. So mm. yeah, mm. but it was a it was a tough time because I, I was only on sixteen thousand dollars and um, I was doing a bit of labouring and. And then ended up doing a traineeship and catering hospitality, which was um, pulling beers at the Bentley Club um, <laughs> yeah. of all hours. So, you know, some nights I wouldn't finish there till midnight and have to be a train at six in the morning sort of mm. thing. So yeah. it wasn't all beer and Skittles like it is these, these days. Uh, it, was, it was a pretty tough time sort of financially and and on me as a young bloke going over there from Tassie, not having any family or anything over there. So, mm. yeah, but but... Certainly, for the second and and uh, the third and fourth years over there, I'd give it everything I had. Um, I was just a bit bit unlucky. I broke my arm at the wrong time, mm. um, and uh, yeah, it only lasted four years, but certainly a good time. Met a lot of great great people, and 
the past players groups uh, unbelievable at Melbourne. So yeah, yeah no, I know. A good few support guys. for everyone. Oh yeah, um, Matthew Bate uh, would have been there, and Anthony Ingerson, and a few of those guys that I know. And uh, I actually did a bit of bit of work with Ingo. Yeah. Um, he, he was a great man. Yeah, he he was. Uh, I, I wasn't much good to him, but I, I did a bit of labouring and carrying a bit of timber and that round for his blokes that he uh, had working for him, building industry. So, yeah, he, he, he was a sort of a, a champion. He was, he was look after the young blokes as the Phoebe boys did. Um, yeah. You know, Steve Phoebe would have you around for dinner and that, us younger fellas. So, yeah, yeah. it was a good Tassie connection there with Russell Robinson yes. and, and those boys as well. Yeah, Stephen Tingo there as well? Yeah, Stinger was there. Um, yeah, uh, he was. Uh, geez, he was a specimen of a man. Um, he was chiselled out of granite, I think. But yeah, obviously, his body was letting him down at that stage, mm. um, late nineties. So I didn't uh, didn't get to spend a lot of time with him. Mm, amazing, mate. So you uh, you ended up uh, like putting the gear on for the two thousand grand final, but you never really had much of a crack at it yourself. No, no, the Herald Sun had me down for duck eggs in possession, <laughs> but um, I, got, I got one handball. I handballed, handballed a point through for, uh, for Essendon, so yeah, I, was, I was probably minus in the uh, super coach points if they did them back then, but um, yeah, that was a bit disappointing. They were back in the days where the bench wasn't used a great deal, um, especially with Dan as he liked his set side, and yeah, it was disappointing to only sort of get... 13 minutes to run around on the grand final but looking back on it now a lot of people haven't been able to play on the MCG let alone grand final day so yes. uh, even though it wasn't a great experience at the, at the time um, it certainly uh, it certainly um, something you'll probably never now something to look back on for sure well, what do you what do you remember about like that day yeah it was um it's a weird one. I sort of get, I sort of get flashbacks. I don't know whether subconsciously or sort of, I was disappointed. Like it, it didn't. Um, you, you're so excited to be involved in it. The grand final parade the, the previous day. I wasn't, I wasn't even aware I was playing till five, four or five o'clock. The team meeting because Cam Bruce had done his quad. Good mate of mine. Um, mm. uh, the previous week in the in the prelim final. Mm. Um, and he and he didn't get up, so that's the only reason I got a I got a game. But uh, I didn't have a lot of time to repair. My parents could, you know, we didn't think I was going to play, so they they didn't come over. Or it was just sort of a bit a bit of a blur. It all happened so quick. But um, I remember I remember the it just went from bad to worse. We got flogged. I didn't get any game time. And then I got drug tested after the game. Oh, <laughs> no. Every, everyone else has gone to the casino or wherever the after party was to have a beer, unwind and sort of, yeah, commiserate and celebrate sort of thing. And I was stuck at the MCG till late because I, I couldn't, um, I couldn't go in the uh, in the bottle. So really? yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a, wasn't a great day. True, unbelievable. I never knew that. Yeah. And did you test positive? No, 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 no danger there unless they were testing for Cascade draft at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Draft. yeah, that's true. Unreal, mate. Uh, dear, there you go. That's, that's incredible. And, uh, yeah, like, obviously, yeah, disappointing in some ways, but something which a lot of people would never experience, you know. So um, got to have um, some, some gratitude for that. Yeah, as you get older, you sort of relax a bit and, and realise it wasn't all a, 
all the disaster. It was actually, I, I was there. Yeah, so it was, <laughs> that was something to look back on. Yeah, that's true, mate. No, it's, um, it's, it's good to hear that you, you know, you're so positive about it all and that sort of thing. And um, who were some of the other guys that you, that you formed good friendships with at Melbourne uh, at the time? Yeah, well, um, Daniel Daniel Ward was um, was a housemate of mine. Um, there was Lee Anderson, um, Cam Bruce, and then obviously Brad Green come uh, a year or so so later um, mm. after I started, and I'm still good mates with him today. Like with the Tassie connection, we've got a few uh, mutual friends down here in Tassie, so we catch up a bit. Mm. Um, yeah, so that, those guys were, were were the main guys that we we kicked around with. Um, Peter Walsh lived with him as well. Um, uh, Nathan Nathan Brown. So we we all sort of lived out in the um, Malvern sort of area out out that way, straight on the Dandenong Road into the Junction Oval and close to Chadston Shopping Centre. So that was good for young blokes to go and have a perv and a feed <laughs> and 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 stick together. So. Yeah, yeah, unreal, mate. No, I um, I know the area pretty well. I was, I, I was around there a bit when I was a young fella too. And um, yeah, Melbourne's a great place, mate. But um, it certainly doesn't compare to to, to Tassie in, in many ways. That's for sure. But it's certainly changed now. And I don't know if I'd like to be around it uh, at the moment. But um, uh, it sounds like it was, it was pretty good for you for those four years. But what was it like when you sort of got the listed? What did you What did you sort of think you were going to do then? Yeah, I was, I was sort of, um, I was hoping, and in a, in a, um, a Todd Vine was doing a bit with Flying Start and Ricky Nixon, so I was sort of under those those guys. And uh, yeah, there was a, I was um, on a footy trip up in, I think it was when ANSEC collapsed, and we were going overseas, but it ended up being the Gold Coast because we couldn't couldn't sort of go anywhere. Mm. Um, and I was sitting by the phone, all the boys were out, you know doing what you do on a footy trip and that. And I was in my room, you know, waiting. I knew I'd been delisted, which was, you know, was pretty tough time. Um, mm. You know, it's always a hit to the ego, but it wasn't wasn't unexpected. Um, Melbourne had a lot of sort of smaller forwards, midfielders types, um, with Jeff Farmer and James McDonald and, and, and those guys, a few of those guys that I'd already named were all around the same size. So um, when... Um, there was a trade with Reece, uh, Reece Shaw, I'm pretty sure it was, at Collingwood. Um, Melbourne were pretty pretty keen to, to get him over and, and, and just as a bit of a... Um, I was part of the deal to go to Collingwood, which I, I grew up a Peter Dacos fan, um, mad Collingwood fan, so I was... Uh, I had my fingers crossed there and then that was a bit of a letdown. It fell, fell down at the last minute and, yeah, then I didn't know what I was going to do. So the, uh, the Tassie Devils... To the rescue, um, mm. I actually ended up approaching them about coming down because Matty Armstrong uh, didn't bother contacting me or anything because he said, "Oh, mate, I thought you'd just get picked up in the, you know, in the draft or whatever." So mm. yeah, amazing. But uh, I ended up 2002 yeah, playing in the Devils jumper, which was probably the best best thing that ever happened to me and got me got me life back on track. So, so they'd already been in the competition two thousand and one. So that was the second year that you come down. Yep, yep, yeah, unreal. And you were captain in that in that first year that you were there. Oh, uh, Nathan Howard was um, captain for the first two years. Yep, um, and then I took over 
um, from 2003 for four seasons. Yeah. Amazing. And is that After the first that, I finished. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead, mate. Yeah, no, Nathan, Nathan Howard was captain for those first two years. And then, uh, yeah, I was captain uh, 2003, 4, 5 and 6. Um, and then, yeah, obviously I finished and left at the start of 2007. So, mm. yeah, no, it was certainly an exciting time those years, that's for sure. Mate, um, just on, on, like, you know, you going down there, who did you ring to say I'm interested um, well, Chris Fagan actually, um, and that was the sort of bloke he was, he, he, he acted as my manager really, I, I just knew I needed to get back to, back to Tassie and probably more predominantly Hobart, where I, back to Glenorchy or, you know, this area that I knew four years before where I had a job, you know, um, and that, I, I had nothing, I had, <laughs> I had no savings, I'd been delisted. Um, and just did, had no job prospects, didn't know what I was going to do. But mm. Fakes, um, he, he actually flew down with me and we met with Scott Wade and um, I think it was Doug Davey at the time mm. who, was, who was the president. And, yeah, he nutted something out and, and um, yeah, and, and ended up uh, getting a job and, and um, playing under Matty Armstrong, which was, which was fantastic. What were you doing for work? Um, they got me a got me a job at um, with Redline, good Tassie company, the Redline um, freight company. So yeah, yeah, I was working just at the freight counter there, and and um, they also had Toll IPEC. They did all the deliveries for there. So um, yeah, just basically coordinating all the all the trucks and deliveries, and and working on the freight counter, which was which was not too bad. It was pretty cruisy for. You know, obviously, footy was still a priority then, and um, yeah, that that got me through a couple of years, and and then I uh, I went into the food wholesaling with a um, Brad Dutton, who was a teammate at the Devils, mm. um, was after a warehouse manager, and I started started there um, a bit later. Yeah. Uh, Mario's, is that right? Mario's was that what it was called? What he was doing? Mario? Mario's wholesale. Yeah, that's yep. it. That, yeah. That, <laughs> That was the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got a good memory. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. So those boys ended up building up the business and selling to PSD and making a squillion, I think. So, mm, yeah. went. Unreal, mate. Tell me, what was it like going back there and getting into that outfit then? Like, you walked in and it was pretty welcoming straight away for you? Yeah, it, it was. Um, yeah, it was just like, just like being at home. It was getting a train at, the, at North Hobart Oval, you know, two and three nights a week. Um, just, you know, the Gaping brothers and that, which I'd, I'd known, you know, and grew up with and, and just playing for Tassie. I was a passionate Tassie person and, and the fact that we we get to represent Tassie and still play. I mean, I played Sandringham Premiership in 2000 and then um, played a fair bit in 2001 with Sandy as well. And, and just to play in that competition, which was so good, the VFL, mm. um, it just yeah, give me a new lease on on my footy life, and um, just just being back in Hobart, which I really enjoyed as a kid, um, and and it was familiar to me. Um, yeah, it was it was a really good time. Mm, yeah, amazing, mate. Let's uh, let's talk a bit about the Devils. Oh, I remember Nathan Howard. He was a, a hard nut, you know, from memory. Um, and obviously having him, having him as captain is probably a bit older than you, but that would have been a good. 
uh, I suppose, apprenticeship for you uh, for those couple of years, sort of coming under his wing a bit, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think there was three of the sort of vice captains, and it was um, Benny Careless, um, Benny Atkin, um, and myself. I think were vice captains to Buzz, and and mm. he he led from the front. In the he didn't know any other way. He'd run through a brick wall for Dollar Armstrong. He was he was just tough and mm. and, and hard at it. Um, he was getting towards the end there. Um, he obviously had an amazing career with Alveston and, and North Lonnie at the later stages, and. Uh, he um, he sort of stepped stepped down from captain, and I took over the year after. But it was a great grounding for me, as um, and that was something Fags might have seen in me when I was twenty two, delisted. He 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 wanted to push me into a leadership role and mm. and push that point with me, mm. um, which I think he was pretty smart because if I didn't, I you know I might have been a bit of a lad and and not bought into it things. I don't know, but he. It's something I thrived off was setting the example for the boys and, and, and you know, I, I, like, I like training and I like, um, you know, I like being out there setting the example on the track. So it's sort of something that, that I grew into, yeah. Mm, no coincidence it was three vice-captains from Glenorchy, I suppose, either. Yeah, yeah all Ben's too. We, we call it, it was a bit of an ongoing joke there. We had Ben Setchell as well and... Yeah. Uh, Ben Reynolds, there was a heap of Bens in the thing, so we still um, help out um, Ben Atkin with um, our sons under 13 side. They play together here in Claremont. Mm. Yeah, we we ended up being um, being Bobs. We just say good day, Bob. You know, <laughs> just a bit of an in joke because uh, there were so many Bens around. So. Jeez, mate, how good how good was Ben Setchell? Yeah, he's gone, gone. Mm. I played against him. Um, when I was a kid, Mariners, and uh, he was just the Greg Williams of the um, under-18, mm. um, big comp. Um, he, he was a freak, and then we were lucky enough to get him down here. He's, yeah, in the old sets bomb, he, um, he's, he was still running around here a couple of years ago, just fit as a fiddle, mm. doing, um, doing marathons and, and triathlons or whatever, and yeah, just freak. Mm. Run all day. Mm. He made it look easy, eh? Didn't he? Like, from, from my point of view, he was just very balanced, and and the ball just seemed to like end up in his hands. Yep. Yeah. He just knew, knew knew how to get it. He was tough, and he he stood out with the the John Platten haircut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I remember that. Unreal. So, uh, so the first couple of years there, there wasn't a lot of success. You might have made the finals the second year, did you? I, th- I think it might have been the, th- the third year, 2003, we, we made the finals. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure we might have missed out in the first two years mm-hmm. um, from memory. And, yeah, we sort of had a, had a good run from 2003, four and five. Um, we, we were really competitive and, and obviously getting those big crowds, which you'd remember, mm-hmm. and we're a part of down here in Hobart and, and a few up in the, in the north of the state as well. So, yeah, that was... Certainly, we were very competitive, mm. um, especially down in Tassie. Mate, like, like I, I sort of come into it 2003 uh, when I moved down there, but I was, mate, it was, it was just like an amazing, amazing experience to go to a game where the whole ground was barracking for one team. And, you know, I just was, I was on this like roller coaster of just week after week, just kept getting better and better, and the crowds kept getting bigger, and... Um, 
one 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 day I actually uh, you were playing on a Sunday against one of the Melbourne teams and um, I never had a ride. I hitchhiked from Brighton to Bellary Hall. Well, don't tell anyone. And, um, and <laughs> mate, there was about twelve or thirteen thousand people there, I reckon. And it was just I actually I hitchhiked so I could have a beer. That's that's the reason why I did that. But <laughs> but, um, but mate, it was incredible. Like honestly, it was just just an amazing. Um, Amazing experience to be at a game like that, where the whole um, the whole crowd was just you know behind you. And um, what was it like as a player to sort of run out and uh, and just you know you were all sort of uh, you know a, a tight unit because it was no agendas. Everyone was sort of playing for the state primarily, and obviously you had a good relationship with Matthew Armstrong as well. Yeah, well that that was the thing about Matthew. It was. It was so good. It was it was us against the Vicks every week, mm. um, and that was our mentality. That was that was part of why the the footy public and the Tasmanian public got behind us because we were we were a Tasmanian team. You know, yes, we had a couple of recruits from the mainland, but they bought in. You know, and and were part of it. Um, and yeah, those crowds at North Hobart, um, I still get goosebumps on the back of my neck just. You don't sit down and think about it unless you're talking to someone like yourself and on, mm. on on an interview or something like that, just to jog your memory. But mm. North Hobart with the, the the terrace and the wet area just packed. Mm. Um, you know, the only other time that had happened was was for grand local grand finals, like the TSL grand finals and stuff. But we were doing it week in week out. <laughs> yeah, um, awesome. You know, and it, it was just it, it's an amphitheatre North Hobart Oval and. Um, you know, I never, I never took the Bell Reef like I liked North Hobart. It was just, it was like a, a, a cauldron in there for the opposition. They, they had no hope. Yeah, we well, had a pretty good win loss record at North Hobart. That's for sure. Lots of uh, Tasmanian football spirit in that ground too, I reckon. You know, so uh, made it even more, um, more potent for your playing. I would have thought. Do you remember that game you played against Geelong? And like it was twenty-seven goals each or something, and you ended up getting done by maybe five points. Yeah, I, I think um, Streety had the unlucky job on Stevie J that day, yeah. and he might have kicked the bag um, as well. But yeah, no, I, I do do remember that. Yeah, there was some, there were some big shootouts, that's for sure. Mm, and it was Cameron Furley. Is uh, Furley is one of his first games for Geelong from memory? Yep. Yep. Mm. Yep. No, I, I, I remember those uh, those days, and then Phil's did a really good job. Um, um, Getting getting picked up, just some of the courage and that that he displayed um, in the Devils program mm. as a mature ager, you know, just showed you people were watching us mm. um, and it, and what a high level of footy that it was when kids were getting picked up. You know, I remember playing with Jack Rewald over at Bell Reef um, when he was sixteen, seventeen, standing on Blake's head. So mm. yeah, it was, it was certainly a wonderful time. Mm. What what would be one of the two, well one or two of the standout games for you from memory and um, um, you, you, what were they sort of like with regards to whether you won or lost but you know what were the what were the standout things for you as as a player as as a as a captain sort of you know being involved in that outfit over the time. Um, I, I reckon the Geelong game over at Bell Reeve that um, that game was. Inducted as a memorable game back in 2011 or something, um, when we beat uh, Trent Bartley, kicked a couple in the last last quarter. He hadn't touched it all day, and mm. and it was just a, a just a typical Tassie wet 
you know, slippery day and we had 10,000 people there. That that was a memorable one. Mm. Um, prelim final, uh, to make it to a prelim final over at uh, Port Melbourne and, and only lose to the eventual Premier Sandringham, who was super strong um, through that period. They might have won two or three in a row, I think, you know. Um, they were, yeah, that, that, was a, that was certainly a highlight. Um, yeah, but there, there was, yeah... Too many to remember. I mean, there was a few personal ones too where you kick bags and, and you remember them. So, mm. yeah, which which were obviously good from a personal point. But yeah, we, we had some good battles and some of the away wins up at North Ballarat. Um, I remember a windy day, um, which was always windy up North Ballarat. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it was just blowing one end, and we we're wearing the uh, the yellow jumpers. Do you remember them? I do. Yellow. Yeah, but yeah. I think Patrick, the sponsor or something, I don't know, they were just bright yellow with blue through them, but they were still the devils, um, same as the green and black ones we used to wear, but mm. um, yeah, they were bright yellow, and yeah, we had a, had a reasonable record in them. Mm, mate, yeah. some. But that, some of those good wins were just, just tough, we were just, and that's, that's why people respected us, because, you know, what we might have lacked in skill level with some players was... We were just tough. You knew knew the bloke beside you would, you know, go to war with you. So yeah, that that was um, that was the exciting part of the, the Devils program for sure. You just had a crack every week, didn't you? Like you know, you just went out there and gave it your all. That was my observation. You know, you, you knew what you were going to get. We when we go and watch the game, it'd just be exciting because you, you you could just tell that you were you were fair income, you know, and um, uh, that that's what I really loved about it and. Um, you know, over the, the journey, I could sort of see the the wind going out of the sails towards, um, you know, the end when they wanted to try and sort of get further and some of the decisions that were made around, the only way we're going to be able to do, uh, achieve that is to be able to align with an AFL club. You know, I think it really knocked the fabric out of the whole program when they actually went away from just that state-based um, model. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, no, they they got it wrong, and um, you know, for for whatever reason, I mean, the, as players, we we identified that it was wasn't the right way to go about it. Our supporters didn't want it. Uh, I don't think our sponsors wanted it, um, but there was pressure. I don't know whether it was Andrew Dimitri or whoever was in charge at the time. You know, whether they were pressing um, Scott Wade and that to to go that way, or whether they thought, oh. We're close to a premiership. This is an easier way to get some decent recruits that are, you know, um, just under AFL level or, or what. But um, and you could sort of see Sandringham's alignment with Melbourne was unbelievable. Mm. Um, but that was the only one. It just never worked anywhere else. Mm. Um, the aligned side. So um, yeah, we we identified it, and and that's that was the beginning of the end. As soon as they went with the North Melbourne. Um, program. I remember some of their players were actually talking to us, and you know, didn't really want to be down in Tassie, flying down on a Friday night, playing down here when the other blokes were playing with North Ballarat, whoever they were aligned to. Yeah. So yeah, it was just just went a bit pear shaped from there, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, when you when you look at it, there were some positives, like you know, Josh Gibson and guys like that were sort of getting around. Um, you had a few other good players, maybe Jake Rawlings and a few of them coming through. But other than that, it was, um, you know, it's just sort of, uh, 
you know, no real connection with the with with the club or the side. I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's that. We go back to to why we were hard and competitive was we had blokes like China Payne and Aaron McFeely that, that play one one game a year or were just mm. on the cusp, but but that they'd turn up three or four nights a week, bust their guts, build each other up at training, you know, just doing everything they were asked, put their heart and soul into it. Mm. Um, and and then you get these North Melbourne players where, you know, I think Johnny Hay was going through a tough time at the time. Mm. You know, few of them were having a couple of beers down the casino the night before a game and it just wasn't what we were about. Yeah. Um, you know, and we, we'd give our heart and soul and, and, you know, look forward to playing each, each week for our state. But these guys were just looking to perform, which... Good on them. They're looking to impress and get into the North Melbourne senior side. So you know, they had different agendas to what we did. We 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 just wanted to win games for our state and you know try and play finals. But yeah, it was just uh, we didn't think it would work as a playing group, and uh, and it certainly turned out that way. Yeah, agree, mate. And the writing was on the wall, as I mentioned. And uh, yeah, it's a shame. And uh, mate, you know, look at the end of the day. We've got to be grateful for what you guys did and and the experience that you you gave us. You know, uh, it's a shame that that that, that actually happened. But um, you know, I'm I'm so so grateful for that that you know that period of my life down there, sort of being involved with all that. And obviously, you you are too. Um, I, I would have thought you know to actually be around it. But um, you know, we've had the conversation about if that had have stayed the way it was. Most likely, the Tasmanian um, AFL team would have been born from that. I've got no doubt, and uh, and I've always been a strong, strong advocate to go to go back to that setup. I know people don't like looking back, but it, I, I want my son, who's now twelve, to have have something to aim for. Yeah. Um, and that VFL side, look at what the Jack Jumpers have done. Um, you know, and people knock it. Oh, yeah, we haven't got this structure haven't well you build it they will come mm. you know and that's that's the thing like we'll get we'll get sponsorship um alistair clarkson was in the state the last couple of days you know talking about um really positively how he's heading up the task force and he's a ambassador for the afl side mm. i hope it happens because um, it's the only thing that's probably going to save the game down at the moment you know with basketball and soccer being so strong mm. Um, as sports, so which you think back to early two thousands when the Devils was going going around, you'd, you'd think that would be ridiculous, you know that that football would be struggling in this state like it is. But uh, yeah, that that set up. Um, I still run into the, the street with people that same as yourself. Thank us for what you know what they provided when in that period of time with footy because it was exciting. It was. You know, whether it was kids watching the game or, 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 or old blokes that still wear the old black devil's hats around with the emblem on the yeah. on the front of it. You still see a few of them oh, floating yeah. around, which is, you know, people just look back and go, what happened? Yeah. You know, so yeah. Yeah. it's disappointing, but, yeah, we can't change it now. No, that's true, mate. And, um, um, yeah, look, you know, you, you're right. Uh, you know, the, the, the memories that come from that were significant, but... I just, you know, on the AFL side down there, mate, it's been getting talked about for 30 years, let's be honest. And what yeah. do you reckon of the blockages there? Like, why why hasn't it just been given the green light? 
Yeah, well, I, I suppose the, the AFL have had it easy because we're always a traditional footy state and they had us regardless. Yep. Everyone down here barracks for a football team, Every you know, uh, in the AFL, you know, it was just... Call from Agnes Peter Bird. Get a couple of draftees out of the out of the Mariners or, or the Tassie Devils or whatever they are now, you know, and so be it. But they just neglected neglected us for too long and took us oh well, Tassie Tassie's there. Mm. Pumped all this money into Queensland and New South Wales and you know, geez, they wasted some money up there and, and mm. I think um, you know, they're starting to get these kids now that, that were young you know, were coming through and might have been playing juniors, their system's up and going and, and that. Imagine if they'd pump that money into Tassie. Mm. You know, we'd, we'd be a force. Um, but, yeah, it's all political and obviously, yeah, put still some people sit there and say, oh, no, it will never happen, it will never happen. Well, I think it's got to happen. Mm. It has to happen. And, and um, if it doesn't, you know, football would be a, a third or fourth sport for people down here in Tassie. Yeah, mate. I, I, I look. I'll, I'll be honest. From from my view, I could see it. I had one son that played footy. Um, you know, pretty good, 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 good footballer. And you know, played for Clarence. The last game he played was you know like an under sixteen grand final, which they won. He hasn't played since because he said, "Oh, there's nothing for me to really you know go for, aim for." Like as you said, but you yep. know, my other son played soccer for South Hobart, and he's been all around the world. Um, you know, in academy type stuff, and this pathway has been tremendous for him. You know, so so that's where yeah. footy really has uh, has lost its way. You know, and, and as you said, been neglected uh, down there. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, well, there's it, uh, just going off from a personal aspect too. I mean, stepson's moved away to um, he's 22, just um, playing for the South Adelaide Panthers. Um, there's five Tassie boys in that team. True. Um, you know, there's there's Aiden Grace and Bushner at um, Centrals. There's there's other kids over there. Too many to name in the the VFL or the knee, or what it mm. used to be the NEFL and stuff in Queensland. Like mm. it's just we could make a VFL side competitive now. Mm. Getting all those kids back. I mean, I was lucky that when I finished AFL, I I could come home and play with the the VFL with the Devils, play at the next best level. But kids haven't even got that now. If they not getting drafted, they've got to go to South Australia or, or stay in Victoria and play in the BFL to 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 play at the next highest level. And mm. if you're down here and you, you, you know you've got a good job and and they just give up, they just just work and don't play for you. So yeah, yeah it's very sad. It is, mate. And uh, yeah, there's probably obviously not that many kids getting drafted uh, like there was uh, possibly um, you know a while back either, but. Um, yeah, mate, look, you know, I'm having the conversation with you. You're having the same conversation with plenty of people. It's about time that they actually, like, started to listen and say, okay, well, yeah, we need to make some changes here. We've got to actually start to uh, to put some, 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 some real strategy in place so we can, uh, you know, plan for the future and, uh, and you know, get, get these pathways back on track because, mate, if, if there was an AFL side down there, the, the ripple effect would be huge, I would have thought, but... You know, geez, I tell you what, these kids that are, that are, you know, 17, 18 now, they're going to be 25, 30 and have their own kids and they're going to want their kids to play soccer, you know, as they get older. And, yeah, um, that's, that's the problem we've got, yeah. Yeah, so we've actually, like, missed a, 
a huge gap and uh, we've got a huge gap but there's uh, also missed a huge opportunity to be able to um you know really uh facilitate um uh a pathway uh which is sustainable and and you know i i i've seen it over the years all these great players that have come from tasmania um you know they've been successful but you're right with what you said it's been um been something that um, that they've uh, taken for granted. Uh, you know, they're just going to keep spitting out these players, but but that's not going to happen as often anymore because not many people are playing. You know, and um, you know, local footy was really strong. You know, the state league was really strong until the Devils come along. I might might have sort of you know lost a bit of momentum towards the end, but you know, the whole the whole fabric of uh, Tasmanian football was was awesome. You know, you've just got to look at. Devonport Oval and look at, um, you know, the Oval at La Trobe and look at the Oval at Longford and that. Imagine the crowds that they used to get there back in the day, you know. Um, it's a different, it. uh, different story altogether now. No, it's, de- it's definitely sad. I, I, I just went to Devonport today to drop a, a vehicle off for work and you, you, you drive past, you know, Campbelltown Oval and, and those, those sort of ovals that you talk about, um, Actually went to lunch for Long Longford. Actually, not a bad, not a bad <laughs> up there. Longford pub on the way back, but um, yeah, I, I played there as a kid, and 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 football was what you did as a kid. And and on a Saturday, you'd, you'd go and watch a local game or or, or whatever. Um, you know, I'd go with my nan or, or or whoever. You'd go and watch a game, and then on the Sunday, you'd play yourself. Mm. You know, and kids just haven't aren't doing that anymore. You don't see the kids running around the football ovals like. Um, especially at TSL level, um, like they used to, you mm-hmm. know, kicking the footies on the ground, which is, yeah, it is a big issue. And, and I'm, I'm hopeful that the powers to be and, and have, have identified it and, and um, things have got to a stage where, you know, think things will happen in the next year or two. So mm, I think there's a new CEO on the AFL coming, isn't there? So that might uh, might be the start of it. But I remember being at a at a conference at Mona with uh, Gillan McLaughlin years ago, and he was saying, oh, we're going to have a team by, you know, such and such, but it never happened. It was just, you know, just gutted, you know, bullshit talk really at the end of the day, and, um, you know, that's been yeah, sort of yeah. going on for too long. No, exactly. I, I think he said he, it's one of his things he wants to tick off his, um, his make a decision on the Tassie team before he finishes up at the end of the year, so hopefully he makes the right decisions. Mm, it happens, mate. So, so what uh, what was it like when you finished there? You went over to Myrtleford for a while, um, obviously into a different environment altogether, and probably a strong competition uh, in Ovens and Murray. Uh, what was it like for you to go over to a comp like that? Yeah, it was um, it was certainly different. It was um, it wasn't a wasn't a planned decision. It was pretty late. I, I ended up being a fly-in for the first one or two games um, just because I hadn't. Hadn't moved moved my gear over there, and it was um, it was it was on the verge of the season when I sort of um, finished up with the Devils and and that. So yeah, got over there to Myrtleford and um, probably played ten of the best games of football I've ever played. I was just relaxed. Um, I think we won only won three of the ten or whatever, um, and uh, yeah, was really good. And then I think it was round ten. I, I did my knee. I'd never. Never had a major injury too much before, and yeah, unfortunately, had a knee reconstruction. But um, yeah, no, it was certainly a passionate club, Myrtleford. Um, it took them a few years to sort of rebuild. Um, I was there in 2007 and 2008, and 
only ended up playing the two games in the second year because I did my knee a second time, so I was pretty much useless for him. Um, but, yeah, I was lucky enough to meet my wife up there um, and yeah, she ended up coming back to Tassie with me. But, yeah, certainly a good level of footy, um, real good level level of footy up there um, compared to what was on offer in Tassie at the, at the time other than the devil, so, yeah. yeah. And you would have uh, known that Guy Ragone was from Myrtleford, I'd imagine, as well? Yeah, yeah. No, I caught up with, with Guy and his family. Uh, all his family still lived up there and, and that in the town, so it was, um, I actually had a bit of a connection through them, those guys, um, his brother and that, so, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was actually good. Like, it was only a little town, everyone you know, knew your business or, or whatever, but it was, a, it was great to be a part of a community which revolved around the footy netball club. So, yeah, yeah it certainly got some good memories from being, being up there for, sh- for sure, even though we weren't so successful on the field. Um, the tobacco industry had just fallen through before <laughs> I went up there, so they ran out of money, which wasn't mm. good. So, yeah, it made it pretty tough for a few years. You would have made an observation there, and I was talking about this when I first went to Tassie, is why isn't football and netball together like it is in Victoria? Because it's such a, a great thing for husband, wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, community. It just brings a whole whole, whole place together, you know. Um, yeah. That's something that they could really introduce into Tasmania, which would probably start to breathe life back into, uh, into football, but also back into clubs. Yeah, it's 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 certainly different. And when you talk to Tassie people about it, and you you just um, they they can't understand what you, your netball teams and your football teams travel away or, or play the same game on the same day. And you, yep, yep. Mm. So you have the A, B, and C grade netball, and you have the nineteens reserves and seniors football, mm. and the games are going at the same time. Like it's just it it. It would have helped clubs survive, I reckon, that have fallen by the wayside down in Tassie. Mm. Um, I reckon if you had that involvement, but I just think probably the netball clubs and the and the um, the way it's run down here are probably a bit, were a bit too much established to sort of change things now. But yeah, it certainly works in Victoria, that's for sure. Oh, mate, and look at it happen. Uh, you know, if you put a netball court at Dodgers Ferry and you put a netball court at Hewanville, all of a sudden the girls will say, oh, maybe we can get a team together. And then all of a sudden it just starts, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, you don't have to go and, um, you know, pinch players from Waratah or, or any of them. It's not going to really conflict too much. But I just think, you know, if they – I said this to Scott Wade or one of them years ago. It might have been Bill Sorrell. I said – why don't you do this, you know? And there was all the excuses under the sun, but, but you and I know both know, you know, seeing it, how well it works. And I just think if they actually did some things like this and invested in the infrastructure, it would just happen. No, that, that's it. Like you say, you just you build it and they will come. Yeah, mm. and they've got some down at Surreal now. I noticed on the weekend, um, my daughter's just started playing football. She plays a bit of netball as well, but yeah, yeah they've got a heap of courts over the back of the number two oval down at Sorrell, that's becoming a bit of a complex in that down there. So, yeah, it, it might be a bit of a start of it, but, yeah, yeah it, so, it certainly wouldn't wouldn't hurt. I mean, you look at the Collingwood, Collingwood netball team and everything now, I mean, it, it's got to rub off at some stage. Mm. Clubs might wake up and go, hang on, we'll build a netball court and, and see what happens. So, yeah, yeah. I agree. No, that's be interesting to see. Oh, mate, certainly hope so. You know, it doesn't... Uh 
doesn't um, uh, cost too much to do something like that. And I just think that, um, uh, yeah, you know, as you said, build it and they will come and, uh, and that will help breathe life back into football, I would have thought as well, you know, because it's something that the boys and girls can do, you know, young and old. And I just think it's a tremendous part of regional uh, Victorian and South Australian, you know, club culture. And, um, you know, yeah, maybe... If you want to try and you know do some things uh, in Tassie to be able to breathe some life back into it, that's that's one simple way. Without you know the AFL uh, side, which you know may happen in the next five years, may not. But um, the huge investment that's got to go into that is is significant in itself. I would have thought. Yeah, and yeah, no, certainly will be. So they're gonna they're gonna decommission Belreve Oval and build a new one. Is that right? Um. They're looking at um, where they should have built it back down before they uh, they did the. They should have built it at the showgrounds out at um, out of Glenorchy here, mm. um, or down at the wharf where they're looking. Yeah. Um, there's there's uh, mock-up plans or something that um, a multi-million dollar stadium down there, um, right on the waterfront, mm. which should be unbelievable. Um, listening to Alistair Clarkson, who's been over to Green Bay and, and uh, a heap of other um, stadiums in America and that, that that are built near waterfronts and stuff like that, he said, you look at Docklands, um, that was just a, a waste of space. It was just, yeah, warehouse sheds and stuff like that. He said, you look at it 25 years later mm. and it's, um, it's a thriving hub in Melbourne. Um, with all the shops and the and the infrastructure and offices and everything around the ground, so mm. he said that's what he pitches for for Tassie, mm. um, which would be exciting, um, definitely. Um, but obviously, you get your naysayers of oh, why would you spend that much when our hospital systems or the roads <laughs> need on and this that and the other. Yeah. Like he said, it's going to make you money. Yes. And it's going to, you're going to have the best roads, you're going to have the best ever, everything because it'll bring that much money into the state. Um, it wouldn't be funny. So it works both ways. So, yeah, if you, if you, if you build something like that, it'll, it'll definitely make you money. Mm, the economic benefit mm. will be significant. And, yeah, it's, look, it's, it's a blueprint in Melbourne, isn't it? It's happened in Adelaide and in Perth now where, you know, I, I believed back in the day that it should have been built at the TCA. Uh, where people can yep. just walk walk from their motels up there, um, you know, everything's close. It's central to going down to Kingston, it's central to going to the eastern suburbs, it's central to going to the northern suburbs, all that type of thing, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And, um, yeah. Um, yeah, that would have just have a tremendous uh, uh, spin-off to, uh, to the CBD of Hobart, but also all the other, um, you know, um, associated businesses and so forth around there as well. Yeah, I mean, Belleroy is a nice boutique oval for cricket and stuff like that, but I mean, as a parent as well, getting my kids home late at night after cricket games or footy games and stuff like that, like you get stuck in traffic, you just, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it can be a real battle over there, yeah. um, you know, and they, they pin you with a parking, you end up with a parking ticket and all that sort of crap, so, you know, that's, um, I know public transport and, and stuff could be a bit better but we're Tasmanians we don't take public transport we like to, we like to drive <laughs> everywhere but, yeah, so, yeah but if, yeah exactly what you've just said if it was built in there people could walk walk from the city it's it's in there you know you could have the ferries across from Belrave to mm. you know to the ground 
people can get get access to it from from everywhere. So yeah, hopefully that uh, that happens. And 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 you know, before I'm curled up six foot under, that uh, yeah, I can go to a couple <laughs> of games at a, a brilliant stadium down there and watch Tassie team. Yeah, get to see it. Oh, I love that uh, myself to be able to get back and see it, mate. What 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 happened with regards to you? Um, Going back to Tassie, like playing footy after you left Myrtleford, did you have a bit of uh, fuel left in the tank? Did you play some good footy when you sort of went to Glenorchy and um, and into the the amateurs? I um, it was fun. It was it was sort of funny how how it worked out. I'd, I'd um, done my knee for the second time up at Myrtleford and, and said me goodbyes there, and um, I'd come back home and. Again, for the second time, sort of didn't have much behind me um, in the way of prospects and stuff like that because I, I hadn't had a trade or a lot of schooling because football was just my life when I was a kid. So mm. um, I, I ran into a, a mate of um, mine and, and um, Beth, Brad Green's best mate, um, Troy Stewart from Jackson Motor Company. Mm. Um, it was the 2008 grand final in the TRC hotel and Troy <laughs> happened to be just there what having a punt and a, a beer watching watching Hawthorne which was his side at the time um, and I just randomly thought oh, I'll go to go to a pub I'll stay at my mum and dad's out in Laguna and I, I wandered in by myself you know not not doing too much and yeah it was meant to be I ran into Troy and he said what are you doing for work I said mate I've got nothing um Really like to get back to Hobart, but yeah, just sort of gonna sit up here and see see where it takes me for the moment. And he said, uh, get to Hobart on uh, on Monday, um, and you can start work for me. You can sell cars. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Big Troy, he uh, I didn't know this at the time. He said, he said, you know, he probably had it in the back of his mind. Not sure. I know he did. Um, I said, no, I've done, done my knee, mate. I've finished with footy. You know, I just really want something, you know, make a career out of something. So I went and started working in his car yard at Dillon Park. And, um, yeah, Troy happened to be the president of the university football club <laughs> uh, down in Hobart. And they were looking for a coach. So, yeah, he uh, he worked that well, the big fella. He's, uh, yeah, he knows how to uh, manipulate things. And, yeah, <laughs> I ended up having... Um, having a stint at university and ended up playing a couple of games the year after 2009, it was 2010. Um, yeah, played played a few games and uh, went to Glenorchy and I was non-playing coach in 2012-13, mm. um, which I really enjoyed, but Aaron Cornelius was coming back. He got delisted and they wanted him to um, sort of take over the reins there. So I said, right, I'm, I'm out. Um, I, uh, I left there and um, went back down to uni and played for a few years, so, which was good mm. in the mid-30s. Mm. Um, the knees didn't like it, but, yeah, played in the premiership with uh, Brad Green in 2016 and finished up then. So, yeah, mm. I was 38 at the time, so I was uh, <laughs> probably pushed I'm paying for it now. Yeah, yeah but it's uh, it was an exciting time. Great club. Um, still got lifelong mates from there that you know I work with, or or we're a really close bunch um, down there at uni. So yeah, mm, amazing, mate. Tell me, um, yeah. 
I was going to say, um, what were you like at selling cars? I wasn't too bad. Um, I had a sales manager, Brett Henderson, who who said he said you could be the best salesman here, but I I don't know. I I, I can't say salesmen haven't got a conscience because I'm still a salesman. I sell batteries <laughs> um, that go in cars now, yeah. but it's a little less cutthroat. I hated the cutthroat side of it yeah. um, when things. When things are a bit quiet and stuff like that, blokes pushing their way out the door to get to the customer and stuff like that, I, mm. I could, I could sell cars no problems. But um, I just didn't, I didn't like the fact that when things were quiet, just cold calling customers and stuff like that. I'm going, nah, this, this ain't for me. Yeah, you know. So I wasn't, I'm not a born salesman. I can certainly talk, and I'm still selling stuff today. But yeah, I just didn't. Um, didn't grasp it 100%, mm. the old car salesman. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's a, it's a, I, I respect the blokes that do it, and I'm, I'm mates with a lot, a lot of car salesmen. And, yeah, I just, for them to stick at it, it can be a tough gig at times. Yeah, I've got no doubt. When I saw you doing it, I thought, shit, you know, but uh, obviously it served a purpose for you, and, um, you know, you, you moved on out of that sort of thing. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. Like, you, you sort of, you're a natural communicator, and when you've got to go and force it on people, it's not your um, not your, your natural way of doing things, I wouldn't have thought. No, no, and, that, and that's all it was. It was just a personality thing, and, and Big Troy was... Um he was really good, good for me. But the problem, the problem is, I was getting away with knocking off early to go to footy training and not working Saturday sometimes, and that. And it sort of it becomes an environment where you're either in or you're out. Yeah. Um, and because Troy was the boss and I was his mate, coaching his footy team, it just it, it just wasn't a good look. So I decided to get out of it. Yeah, fair enough too. And and mate, life's like going pretty well for you now. Like you, you're pretty settled down there, and you've. Uh, Obviously, you got a got a place out at Granton, and um, you're enjoying um, sort of uh, life in in Hobart and Tassie beyond your footy career. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, the, the wife and I have um, yeah built our forever home out at Granton, and um, yeah, I've still got about twenty years of landscaping to do and stuff <laughs> that I haven't done in the last ten years. But yeah, we've been in our house about ten years now, and um, it's um, I been working since 2015 uh, for independent batteries down here which were South Australian owned independent companies um, to start with and yeah we're now selling um, batteries and Adventure Kings gear um, from the four drive super centre so it's um, it's a diverse sort of business which um, I manage and um, yeah it's going really well and suits me you know re- really well you know, work every every second Saturday morning and Monday to Friday I'll get to knock off at five o'clock and leave work at work and mm. spend time with my family. So, yeah. yeah, life's pretty good at the moment. So I can't complain too much. And are you involved with sport in any way? Um, yeah, I, I am. I'm um, helping coaching the under-13s, um, my son's um, side. I'll just move the magnets for the coach, Benny Atkin. <laughs> um, but... Uh, other than that, I've just started with AFL Taz, which um, is a role. Jay Schultz, um, ex-Port Adelaide and uh, Richmond, Jay Schultz, he's mm-hmm. down here. Um, he set up a, a mentor program for junior coaches around the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's about about seven or eight of us. Um, and, yeah, spend most nights um, at a junior club 
either helping a coach take training or just observing and, and, and giving them some pointers if they want them. Um, a couple of clubs have been really good and I was at Kempton last night at the Central Hawks taking the under-12s for a session. Um, I'm loving being back at, yeah, just doing something um, mm. since I stopped down at uni. So, yeah, yeah, it's working out really well and hopefully I can continue doing that and do my little bit to, to help uh, coaches improve at grassroots level and keep kids in the game. So mm. that's, uh, that's about my role at the moment, which... I'm, I'm enjoying, which is fantastic. That's good to see, mate, that they're actually investing in those sorts of uh, roles and having people like yourself that have got the experience to be able to get out there and, pardon me, and give your, um, your knowledge to others, you know, that are coming through. And, um, you know, you would have a wealth of that with what you've sort of been through over the, over the journey. And, um, um, yeah, you know, if you're still involved with the game, um, you know, uh, at the age you're at now, I think, um, you know, it's, it's a tremendous... Um, way to uh to still stay connected and so forth too and what what's your what's your observation of, of say local footy down there now with regards to the tsl is it, is it struggling yeah it is um and again it comes down to money and funding and stuff like that i mean i was involved in the old schools for for 10 years as i said and, and i was really passionate about the comp and 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 um a bit of a voice for that for, for that comp, but uh, the TSLs, um, I understand its its merits, and I understand why the clubs want to persist with it, but they haven't got the best talent playing for them, no. um, which is really difficult because I think the salary cap might be ninety thousand or something like that, and you're competing with you know the samples and the and the VFLs and stuff like that. Like we need to attract ex AFL talent to to help come back like when I was young yeah. you know you, you had Wiedemann Goodwin um Reece Jones Paul Hamilton mm. John McCarthy they were all finished their AFL career every every TSL club down here had a uh, ex-AFL either as a playing coach or a coach Stevie Wright was another one like mm. you, the money's got to come from somewhere and, and I understand Sandful and um and the clubs up, you know, the Leeds clubs and, and that have all got pokies and got money and, you know, Tassie's a bit different. Mm. Um, so we've got to think of other ways to do it. But it, when when a player can go out to Claremont or some Virgils and get three or $400 a game, yet Glenorchy or, or Clarence can only pay them 150 to train more, yeah. you know, it's a bit backwards. Yeah. Yeah, so great. yeah, it's def- definitely uh, the, the system's just been let let go for too long, um, and and we need to we need to right the ship. We need to get the pyramid, you know, with the TSL at the top, with a salary cap of two hundred and fifty plus thousand, mm. um, you know, to in, entice guys to come to Tassie and and, and want to set up down here, yeah. you know. So yes, okay. yeah, yeah, that's that's my point of view on it. Yeah, we yeah. just uh, we're. The lower leagues can pay more than the higher leagues, and it just does not make any sense. Mm, that's been talked about for a long time, mate. So <laughs> hopefully, uh... yeah, it, it has. And I mean, you're never going to stop paper bag payments under the table and stiff stuff like that. But mm. the the club, the the TSL clubs have got to bite the bullet and say, right, oh, well, we're going to pay more. Mm. You know, we're going to track track some pe- quality people to our our club um, to help their junior structures. You know 
kids staying footy, so they've got something to aim for. You know, if they're giving up their time to travel to Launceston to play in North Launceston or something on the weekend, that you know, they're being reimbursed for it. Yeah. You know, kid, kids can go and do four hours work on a Saturday morning and, and earn good dollars. Why would they risk being injured and playing football, you mm-hmm. know, for a hundred bucks? Yes, and, yes. Yeah, no, no. Ian Gein Cullen was saying he was sharing a room with a young fella in Burnie who was 15 and he's having to pay 100 bucks or whatever a night for his room and uh, he was only getting $50 match payment. So it sort of made it a bit tricky for him. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it just, doesn't make, just doesn't make sense. And yeah, I feel for the clubs. Um, I do. I'd, I'd love to see the, the statewide league succeed and stuff, but uh, it's just. It's just been getting getting harder and harder on volunteers and mm. and, and volunteer run clubs. You've you've got to you got to be paying some full time staff and and stuff like that to, to to you know to get the quality of people you need. Yeah, absolutely, mate. No, that's true. It's a, it's a tricky one, but it's a changing world compared to what it was when we were young fellows, you know. And uh, just got to try and roll with the punches, and hopefully things will start to sort themselves out. Because uh, yeah, the conversation that we've had for a lot of this is about you know. Uh, the potential and what can change. No, we're not the only ones saying it. So hopefully, um, you know, in the future things will start to start to shift, and uh, you know, things will start to to get some momentum back down there again, and you know, help out yourself to have a connection with with footy at a higher level, but also the younger ones coming through to have something to aim for, which is a big part of life, I guess, at the end of the day. So, mate, um, really, really grateful for the chat. We've nearly gone for an hour and a half, so we'll probably better let you go and have your dinner. <laughs> Nah, nah, not a problem, mate. Or, yeah, thanks for uh, yeah, thanks for getting me on, and um, yeah, hope it all goes well for you and uh, a couple of people tune in. Hey, Hopefully, I haven't bored them too much. I wouldn't have thought. And uh, how can they get hold of you, mate? On Twitter? Yeah, I'm on. I'm on Twitter. Um, yeah. yeah, at Ben underscore Beams, I think it is. So yep. No worries. I'll put this uh, on Twitter as well so people can, can jump on and check it out from there. So that's no worries, mate. Ah, uh, wonderful. Too easy. We'll go and have a great northern and uh, we, might, we might head down to the Granton Hotel for Snitzel, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, say, I'll go out and see what the wife's got, mate. I can hear some pots going in the kitchen, so it might <laughs> be my night in the kitchen. I'll go and see. <laughs> Cheers, mate.